Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Dean Martin, Bob Hope, and a salute to Johnny Carson. On television screens across the United States at 11.30 p.m. Monday through Friday, and sometimes even on the weekends, millions of people tune in to the most popular nighttime television program of all, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. If you were watching NBC television on the evening of March the 2nd, 1965, you heard this now famous theme and introduction. The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. From New York, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. And now, here's Johnny. This is The Tonight Show, in case you thought it was Radio City. You know, our show has been compared to the number one show in the nation, Bonanza. Hasn't been compared favorably. It's been compared, and you can make up your own joke, because I don't have one there. Well, here we are starting another week, and another week, and another week. And uh, You know, starting a new week on this show is like going on a vacation and finding out you packed a tweed suit with no shorts. <laughs> it's, it's rough, I'll tell you. <laughs> no, I shouldn't really complain. Uh, incidentally, our program may be interrupted at any moment tonight for war bulletins from CBS. <laughs> Keep you up to date on what's happening in the rival network over one of the rival networks. Everybody in this business realizes that any time you know, you can come in, work some morning, and find a pink slip on your desk, right? The only thing you can hope is there's someone in it. <laughs> hey, we're off and running for a Monday. You want to stay over tomorrow? I have nothing to report thrilling. You know, usually you do something on a weekend I can relate to, but I did nothing. I sat in front of the television set for about four hours Saturday. And I've never enjoyed it so much. Then I turned it on. And it ruined the whole day. Have you seen the commercial where the guy, they put it, he's breathing and he's congested? They lay a microphone? Yes. And you listen to his nose? Is that a thrill? Your nose would be congested too if somebody shoved a microphone up it. Well, no wonder. The guy says, my nose, of course he's congested. He's got a microphone up. They take that mic out, he breathes great. <laughs> Silliest thing I've ever heard. The New York Mets. 
started their spring training today <laughs> down in Fort Lauderdale, and we're looking for a big year for the Mets. Yes, this this sir. Really yeah. Casey, Casey Stengel threw out the first ball, and all the players went, what's that, what's that? What? <laughs> so I don't know. No, but Casey's got him on a rigid schedule down there. Oh, a discipline like that, he told him, you know, training, you'll be here right on the dot. He said, that's when the big hand is on 12 and the little hand is on one. <laughs> oh. You'll have, hey, this year they got a tremendous rookie. A tremendous rookie, I think it is Zabo Zaretsky. His name is Zabo Zaretsky. <laughs> tremendous, a lot of people said he's just like Dimaggio. He's 57 and got a chipped heel. <laughs> So stay where you are, we'll continue with this business. Johnny Carson came to television by way of radio. He was a disc jockey in his hometown, and after moving out here to Hollywood in the 50s, he eventually became a writer, submitting comedy material to several popular television shows. During the mid-50s, he had his own half-hour weekly show on CBS. Here's one of his early programs, July 28, 1955. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Johnny Carson. Uh, actually, it's John W. Carson. But the W doesn't stand anything, and I better explain that. You see, when I was born, my doctor was making out the birth certificate during his lunch period, and he dropped a noodle on it. So it really doesn't mean <laughs> Now, we've had some letters on this show from people out there in television land who sent us a couple of very interesting letters. I thought I'd take care of the personal mail here. Now, here's one from a lady who lives in Rochester, New York. And she's been watching the show for four weeks. This is our fifth one tonight. And um, she said, I've been watching your show, and could you tell me how many people from CBS actually work on your show? About half of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, a personal letter, I hope you don't mind. It's from my mother. She lives in Columbus, Nebraska. And I got up this morning and went out, and there in the mailbox was a letter from mother. It says, Dear Occupant, <laughs> <laughs> We're a very close family. <laughs> says, uh, dear occupant, we've been watching your show in Columbus, but the people have been bothering me. They uh, seem to think that since you do your show from Hollywood, you should have a big Hollywood guest star on your show. And it's signed, lovingly, Boxholder, Columbus, Nebraska. <laughs> well, that is a problem, and I've had that problem. People have stopped me on the street. I could go into the gas station, and the man there says, well, how come you don't have a Hollywood guest star on your show? And it's getting to be kind of bothersome. It, it seems like every time I turn around now, somebody says, why don't you have a guest star on your show? Oh, Johnny, why don't you have a guest star on the show? <laughs> <laughs> You didn't believe me, did you? <laughs> well, it is a problem. Now, other comedians don't have that problem. You take George Burns. If he needs a guest star, he just walks out in the kitchen and there doing the dishes as a star. Gracie Allen. And uh, Jack Benny. He's very lucky. He lives next door to Ronald Coleman's. But I've got a real problem where I live. On one side of me is uh, Raymond Clark, who is president of a bank. And on the other side, for neighbors, I have Frank Fogarty, who is chairman of the board of American Steel. They're nobodies. <laughs> well, as a virtual unknown, you can understand how difficult it was to book guest stars on his show. 
Well, just eight years later, as one of the biggest stars in television, all he had to do was run into someone in the hallway, and zip, he had an instant guest. Guess who I just ran into in the hall? Who's that? Bob Hope. Yeah. Bob Too much? Is that too much? <laughs> I have to get it back to my son, so work fast. That's a pretty wild coat. It is. That's all I had. I packed in a hurry. And this is it. I'm just here for Smiling Frankie. I'm sneering at Jim Clinton this week. <laughs> you, like this? you always come on. Last time you had a wild check jacket on. And... I, had, uh, I had this old stuff. You remember? <laughs> Let's change. Let's change. I'll go with you any time, Daddy. John, I want to yeah. just... Uh, you know, I'm here shooting a picture yeah. at the United Nations, and I just wanted to come in and congratulate you. Hey, thank you. Wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wish you a lot of luck. Well... I think it's you. a thrilling thing. I do. And I... I see no reason why you shouldn't have your own late show. I think it's a wonderful thing. I really do. <laughs> Well, it, it keeps me off the streets at night, you know. <laughs> yeah, I read the thing in the paper the other day. Yeah, the, the, I guess it was in the Times this morning that you were wheeling a, bear, a baby carriage around out in front of the yeah, United Nations. Yeah, we've, and, been, uh, we've been doing the exterior shots on this, uh, on this global affair. Is that right? Excuse and, me, Bob. Yes, Larry. Is that your old chewing gum? <laughs> May I? If I give this to a kid around the block, ladies and gentlemen, they won't believe it. I'm going to take it right home with me. <laughs> Don't you want me to spit on it and sweeten it? <laughs> but that goes I home with not. me. All right, Larry. All right. Fine. <laughs> follow me. I throw stuff all night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Little tidbits here and there. Howdy, beard. All right. So nice to see you. Hey, I read that. You know, I read that uh, thing you're doing, the global affair. It's a funny premise. It's a wonderful thing. And we wanted you in the picture. What happened to you? Well, I, you know, I M money. I, no, I'm just, you know, I'm I never... mean, I'm here, and I just wonder if we want to talk money. <laughs> no, Bob. I, you see, I'm tied up exclusively with uh, Columbine Pictures to do Army training films. <laughs> the King Brothers got that? Yeah. Is that <laughs> right? Well, I didn't that I know that. But, uh, no, that would have been fun, because it's a wild crowd. I was uh, listening back there, and I heard M M Mercedes M McCambridge talk about Stevenson, you know, Ambassador Stevenson. And I went up to say hello to him today, and, uh, you know, just a diplomatic thing, <laughs> we do that. <laughs> and uh, we asked him to go down and do the, a shot in the picture, and he walked right out of the office and walked right down and did a shot in the picture for us. Oh, Biggest wow. thing. Isn't that great? Wonderful, huh? I mean... You can't find help like this around everywhere. <laughs> I thought it was great. He just walked right out of the office, and I was walking in the UN with a baby in my arms, and uh, and the ambassador walked by and did a big take, and not a bad actor. I don't. I'm surprised he lost. I. Uh, <laughs> I guarantee you, if he hadn't been running against one of our great war heroes, he would have had a great chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
and also one of our finer golfers. You remember Mr. Eisenhower, <laughs> the pro at the White House. I thought that... Uh... What was the gag? Did somebody ask him, you know, ask him how his golf game was? And he says, you know, I seem to be losing more. <laughs> no, I say now that he's out of there, he's finding out who he can really beat. <laughs> I want to tell you, I've, I've had the good fortune of playing with him because he pays fast. And, uh, <laughs> but he plays like a general. Every time he puts towards the hole, he snaps to attention, yells, fall in. It's tough to beat, you know? <laughs> what else? Well, he really does that. <laughs> he really does that, huh? One of the funniest sequences on The Tonight Show happened the evening Dean Martin appeared unannounced. Where's the, no, but where's the guy you talked to? <laughs> oh, hello there. John! The way it works. John! So this is old John, yeah. huh? You know, not only are you important in show business, but I found out you're important in hotels and everything. Every time I get a room, there's a John. <laughs> Have to wear that brace. It's not very long. <laughs> well, I got the test back today. It's coming along nice. Now, this is the way you do it every night, huh? I thought you were in New York. You're doing it. We do not. We come out here twice a year, Dean. Come out where? Come out here. <laughs> in California. Oh, we're in, oh, we're in California. California. Yes. Yeah. Talk my way once in a while. I want to live, too. <laughs> Just don't talk up, you'll set off the sprinkler system. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. It is good to see you. I thought you what were... What did all... you call me? Lonesome what? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not talking about George Scoville. I didn't know you were going to come out here. Oh, no, George isn't here. George Lent, it is. <laughs> Who's George Lent? <laughs> well, old John. Yeah, I thought this place was bigger than this thing here. You work there. You work when you do your show down the hall, right? That way. Down the hall to the building. Building here. You drink a lot, don't you? No, no. This is it, huh? Now, they always kid you about Aren't you supposed to ask me things? Sure. <laughs> can, I, can I try this? Because people always kid and say, it's just a prop. You know, no, it's no, a business no. prop. That's, uh... <laughs> I said, the hell with a doctor. <laughs> In September 69, I supplied Johnny with a film clip of a monologue he had done 15 years earlier on the Red Skelton Show with these hilarious results. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were doing a show out in California. A man by the name is it, is it Frank Breezy? Is that how we pronounce it, Rudy? B-R-E-S-E. -E, stopped by the office, and he's been a radio and television for many years. And he is a kind of a buff. He collects 
old radio shows, tapes, kinescopes, and so forth. And he came in with one that I had not seen for 15 years. And uh, I'm almost embarrassed to play this. It's like looking at somebody else. You ever looked at yourself 15 years ago when you did the television show? Oh, sure. Like back in the old, say, the Gary Moore daytime show? Changes you don't believe. It's kind of frightening when you look at it, and you're kind of 1954. embarrassed. 1954. This was 54 or 55. I was writing monologues uh, for Red Skelton at the time, and I was doing a show on the network Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock, great time. <laughs> yes. Called Earn Your Vacation. I always ask, does anybody remember that show? Anybody remember the show? You're kidding. Really? Can you imagine 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon, coast to coast, but people would come on and they would answer questions. It was kind of a comedy quiz, and we would send them on a vacation. Clever, huh? Yeah. We have a couple who've been in Australia 14 years. <laughs> trying to win a trip back. Yeah, never and, uh, again. I, at that time, was living on Woodland Hills, California. And, uh, as I said, contributing monologue material. And they called me, read it uh, in the rehearsal. Had supposed to go through a breakaway door or something. And he knocked himself unconscious. And the producer of that show, by this fellow by the name of Cease Park, and he called me and said, you're going to do a skeleton show tonight. I thought he meant come in and do a bit or something. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, you've got to come in and, and do an opening monologue and introduce the, I think, the Cab Calloway way was on the show. Who else? It was an hour show at that time, and I kind of filled in between the acts. Mm -hmm. And what you're going to see is just part of the opening monologue. <laughs> uh, I guess, well, how long did the monologue go all together? What, about six or seven minutes? And this is just about, what, three minutes? So, uh... Let's take a look <laughs> at this memorable moment in television. Bobby wanted to watch the monitors do This is black and white, of course. Oh, color that. And here it is. Ah, it's going to be painful. <laughs> Can you believe For those that? of you who live in the fringe area or are cleaning off the front of your television sets, wondering where Red is, I'll tell you what happened. My name is Johnny Carson. This afternoon, a dress rehearsal is just about oh, an hour and a half to go. Red uh, slipped during one of the sketches and injured himself. And uh, the injury is not uh, really too serious, but uh, Red's doctor advised him that it wouldn't be too best to do the show today. Personally, I think Red's doctor should do the show. <laughs> uh, first of all, now, I don't know whether Red is going to be able to see the show tonight, whether he's watching it now, but I, I feel pretty sure that he's going to be all right in the hospital because hospitals do so many wonderful things nowadays. And... Uh, of course, Red, you know, like a lot of people in show business, is covered by insurance. Covered by insurance? He has a pretty nice insurance policy. I don't know how it's going to pay for this particular accident, but I know three of the clauses that Red has in this particular policy. It's this. For example, if he is run down by a helicopter... <laughs> if he's run down by a helicopter in a Sepulveda tunnel, he gets... <laughs> I think he gets $500 a week, and, uh, which is pretty good insurance to have, because you never can tell when that may happen. And another one, another clause that I like, the same policy, if he breaks out in prickly heat while watching Peter Potter, he's going to get some kind of insurance there. And if he hurts his back severely, if he, if he hurts his back uh, while falling into a clump of pussy willow, he gets pretty well paid off. But I, tonight, stepping out here, I, I always, I thought back what my mother used to say when I was growing up back in, in Nebraska, back in Iowa, Nebraska there. Mother always used to say, be prepared. <laughs> and uh, she didn't say, ever say anything else. She just yeah, always yeah, be yeah, prepared. Yeah. And it got pretty dull around our house. You'd get up in the morning and you'd say, what's for breakfast? Mother would say, be prepared. <laughs> That's all she ever said. 
Actually, no, this shows you the plight of television comics, though. I mean, being injured like this in rehearsals because of these, these uh, very difficult sketches that Brent does. You know, last, last year, Jackie Gleason uh, fell down and he, and he broke his foot. Red uh, fell down and broke uh, some little muscles across his back. And uh, Jack Benny turned 39 last year and broke his heart. <laughs> well, of course, television has other problems, you know, not just for comedians. It has problems for the people who watch television. For example, uh, you know they have television airplanes now? Really, they do. There's a run between Washington, D.C. And, and New York, and they have television in the plane, and they've uh, come into some pretty uh, interesting problems there. Because a fellow was watching a show last week, I read about this in the paper, and the announcer was doing the commercial. And this fellow, of course, was watching the commercial, and uh, I mean, where else can you look in an airplane, you know, straight ahead. He was watching the commercial, and the announcer said, I want you to go down to your neighborhood drugstore right now. <laughs> and this fellow stepped out of the plane at 18,000 feet. <laughs> but the tragic part about it was, it wasn't even his own neighborhood drugstore. <laughs> You don't know how painful that is to look at that. I look like something that should have been on Sherry Lewis's hand. <laughs> Did you see that hair, though? Excuse me, dear? No. <laughs> no, those were the suits in those days. Sure. Remember, you had those big padded... What? Yeah, you had those big padded shoulders and all that material and the... Oh, oh, isn't that awful? Where did you live, Johnny? In Nebraska or Iowa? <laughs> oh, no, I lived back in Nebraska. You know, Iowa back there in Nebraska. You see, I didn't want to offend anybody. I was born in Iowa, yeah. but I was raised in Nebraska, oh, so I started into it. Gee, wasn't that awful? No. <laughs> It wasn't bad. Did no. you get calls the next day to further your career as a result of that, or what? Actually, it went very well. Time magazine picked it up, and I think that was the first, not network, because the other show was network, but it was the first type of major coast-to-coast uh, -coast show, and it was like one of those corny show business stories, you know, the yeah. last minute, let's call. Yeah. But I think I came in about a half hour before showtime and tried to jot some stuff down in the, in the car, and, but looking at it in retrospect, those jokes aren't too bad if you don't... They're not bad at all, You'll really. hear them on Monday's monologue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good night. up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio and our salute to Johnny Carson. You know in the armed forces you're part of a mighty big team. If you slow down in your job it can hurt the whole outfit. No matter what your job is, believe me it's important. You can help to keep things moving. Now this is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California inviting you back next time for more great moments from shows and personalities. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.